everyone, welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the week of September 9th, 2018, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, and I am excited to be here. I'm excited to get into this podcast. I think we have some really exciting things to talk about this week, and I am just super excited that you're here and listening to this. We've been doing this now for nine months, and I'm just really excited about this. I know this is a big Sunday in a lot of churches. It's Rally Sunday. It's getting the troops ready to go as we're digging into youth ministry and the new ministry that comes with the fall season in the church. And there's a lot of things I really want to get into this week. And stay tuned this week. There is a big announcement that I'm going to make right at the end of the podcast this week. But before we really get into it, I want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them a lot for guidance between their commentaries and Sermon Brainwaves podcast, along with a lot of the other discussions that they have going on over there. I'd highly, highly recommend checking it out. But before we get into this week, there's a couple other things I want to get into. First, I want to do a shameless shout out to Emily Stelling. She is a person that I went to school with and I was able to reconnect with over this last weekend. Had a great conversation with her and Pastor Angie. Shout out to her. And Emily's going into her final year at seminary to become a pastor. So I just want to give props to her for doing that. The other thing I wanted to get into was answering the Twitter question that we had last week. The question we had last week was, what traditions do you, your congregation or church, do that separate you from God? Or what things do you do that make it harder for you to pursue God? And this was a question when I put this out, I didn't know how to answer it. And as I thought about it, as I dwelled on it, and again, as I talk about a little bit at the end of the podcast ties into kind of what I've been going through. I've thought about it as keeping up with the Joneses. One of the biggest things I feel as being a young adult in today's world, there's so many ways and so many images of what our life should look like. And if you remember the TV show Friends, you know, what they were all able to do with when you actually think about the jobs that they were doing, was that really possible? Was that really feasible? And I think we get fed this message of all these different things that we need or all these different things that make your life better. And it may or may not, in a lot of cases, not actually be true. We get kind of fed this lie and we can get really consumed with it. I know for me, I have gotten consumed with it at times and lose the actual point of what life is about. And we easily separate ourselves from people who are different than us. And then when we do run across somebody who's maybe not as fortunate as many of us are, we then really do realize how blessed and how many gifts have actually been given to us. And you feel kind of sad about it and that you're complaining about this, that, or the other thing when in the scheme of things, it's really not that big of a deal. And it actually leads in really well to this week 
I'm really excited to talk about this week. So let's get into it. The gospel text this week is again out of Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. And there's a couple things with this reading we really need to remember when we're going into this. The first verse, it talks about Jesus is in the region of Tyre. Tyre is on the north side of the sea of there, and I'll attach a map in the description. He is north of Jerusalem. He is north of all this. He is in Gentile territory. He is surrounded by Gentiles. He is probably the only Jew in these cities. And so he gets met by this Gentile woman of Seraphonician origin, and she talks about how her daughter has a demon. And Jesus and her kind of go back and forth with, you know, Jesus trying to take care of his children. And the woman says even the dogs under the table get fed. And so he does one of the probably first healings that he doesn't put his hand on them. He does this wireless or handless or he's not there healing. And then it continues with this deaf man and healing him and his tongue and telling them to not go and talk about it. But of course they do. But I think the big thing with this that's very easily missed, and it's actually really where I'm going to go with it this week, is talking about how Jesus is the outsider here. He's not around people that he is familiar with. He's not in his comfort zone. He is outside of that. He is the outcast. And to be able to be in this position that even as an outcast, he was still able to do what he was put here to do says a lot about his character and says a lot about who we are supposed to be in Christ. And I think that's so powerful. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 35 verses 4 through 7a. And this is, again, I think this cool verse where it really kind of gives us hope. It's right there in verse 4. Say to those who are fearful of heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompetence. He will come and save you. That's kind of what we kind of continue to get. And you'll find in these passages that Jesus and God are here. They're here to take care of us. They're here to step in and be that guiding light to help us in these times of trial. And it's oh, it's such a cool little verse and supports this idea of Jesus being in a rough situation. The alternative first reading, if you've been going through that, is Proverbs chapter 22, verses 1 through 2, 8 through 9, and 22 through 23. And again, it's this working with that idea, but this is doing the comparison act. And this is another major part of this. If you look at verse 2, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of all. You have that in verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. So these ideas of putting the Lord first and not putting things of this world in front of you and God. The psalm this week is Psalm 146, and that's the whole thing, verses 1 through 10. And again, it's this awesome praise psalm that we continue to get. And again, it's this, that the Lord is here, that he is present, that he is working with us. He is going to work with those who put the time in, who give him the, give him faith, give him the ability to work. 
The second reading this week is out of James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, optionally 11 through 13, and 14 through 17. So, again, we get this continuation out of James as we're working through James. And I like how he talks about it right here in verse 1. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our gracious Lord Jesus Christ? And he's going through and comparing riches and actually doing service and actually doing the work that we are called to do through faith. And again, it's summarized really well in the end of this. If you pick it up, I'll pick it up at 15 here. If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill. And yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? So by faith itself, if it has no works, is dead. And this continues this idea of what we've been talking about in James, that it's an action, that if you say it but don't do it, you might as well not have the faith because you're not doing it right. So this idea of doing work, which again, we see Jesus doing work even in an area where he's not comfortable in Mark. So when I started thinking about this and started thinking about and planning this podcast, I looked at who are outcasts in science? Who are people who have been considered outcasts for whatever reason? And I found a lot of really cool ones. And so this week's going to be a little bit different because I'm not going to do as much of a deep dive. I'm going to go through, there's a 30 different people that I'll do a brief summary on. And some of them you've probably heard of. Some of them you maybe haven't heard of. And I really want, if there's one that speaks to you, spend some time and look them up and see if that's something that you can work with as being a leader in the church. Because I think there's a lot of really good examples here of different scientists working through difficult situations. I think you will also find what is really interesting about this whole thing is what these different scientists were getting, if you want to put ridiculed over, is really interesting. So the first one we're going to talk about is from the 17th century, and he was a physician. His name is William Harvey, and he was one of the first people to explain and start actually documenting what we now know as fact of the current blood circulation system and how it runs through the heart, the brain, and the body. And the importance of this was up to this point that a lot of people saw it as the liver was kind of the key feature that everything was going through. And it took doctors quite a while to find that Harvey was correct in his theories. But again, it's one of these people who then was ridiculed within his own community. Gregor Mendel. Gregor Mendel was a monk, and he is considered by many the father of genetics. So through crossbreeding of pea plants, he found he could semi-predict how different attributes were going to happen, figuring out that there were dominant and recessive traits. So dominant being that whenever they're in Getting back to DNA, that you have a, one from your mom and one from your dad, so you have two sets of everything. If you have a dominant, it will be expressed. So two dominants, the dominant's expressed. A dominant recessive, the dominant's expressed. 
If you have two recessives, recessives expressed. And so he noticed it, the different things that he could control somewhat and predict was plant height, pod size, pod color, seed shape, seed color, flower position, and flower color. The next person we're going to talk about is Ignice Semmelweis. And he was, again, an early doctor, Hungarian physician, working at Vienna General Hospital in the 1840s. And their hospital had this poor mortality rate with new mothers. It was up to about 10%. And there was another hospital nearby that their percentage was much lower. What he noticed was the medical students that were working at his hospital were coming from autopsying cadavers to birthing babies. So when he went through and just started talking to them about doing a general hand washing, their mortality rate went down to 1% to 2%. Again, was ridiculed by people because they saw this as kind of attacking their ego as a doctor. And germ theory came out little bit down the road, and when that happened, it kind of supported what Semmelweis had already theorized, but he was, again, he was gone by that point. William Coley is the father of immunotherapy, so he had noticed with some of his cancer patients, if they were dealing with some type of cold or something right after, if they were injecting them with a dead bacteria, that it was helping their cancer patients' immune system seem to help them recover from their cancer faster. Francis Peyton Rouse was a man who discovered that we could have viruses transfer cancer, and so was one of these first people who was understanding how viruses can play a role in cancer spread and actually discovered a new type of virus It was infecting chickens. Barry Marshall, I think this guy was absolutely bananas. Barry Marshall was dis- was working with a specific type of bacteria that would be cultivated in the gut, and he was theorizing that that bacteria was causing ulcers and stomach cancer. Many people, and this is in the 1980s, many people didn't believe him. They thought he was crazy. And so they kind of barred him from working on this. This type of bacteria is only found in primates, which of course then were part of primates and were barred from experimenting on people. So because he was kind of getting shut down in his research, he decided to take matters into his own hands, concocted something that had the virus in it and ingested it himself and experimented on himself and then put forth his own cure, which then he published, and that was kind of the start of understanding how we understand stomach ulcers and stomach cancers. Alfred Wagner, with Continental Drift, in the early 20th centuries, between 1912 and 1929, he was publishing that he was understanding that the continents had drifted apart. It was not accepted in the science community until the early 1960s. Aristarchus, Copernicus, and Johannes Kepler. We've talked about these guys before in the past, talking about the idea that the sun was the center of the universe and how that was working. 
where Kepler then kind of expanded upon what Copernicus had put out and said that they're not circles that were circling our planet. They're more of an elliptical shape. And again, through the process of Galileo in 1609, kind of to help give the first real support that this was actually what was going on. Amadio Avogadro, if you have dealt with chemistry like we talked about last week, I was not the greatest chemistry student, but I do remember Avogadro's law or Avogadro's number. And he was the one that came through and came up with this law saying that if you have an equal volumes of different gases, they contain the same number of molecules of each gas if they're under the same temperature and pressure, which again, people rejected because this couldn't be true and rejected him his whole lifetime. And it was after that, as we continued to work on it and be able to find more support that, yes, they were shown and it's actually a common practice to use and base in chemistry. One other one here that I want to talk about that I would recommend looking into is Benjamin Rush. He was a founding father of our country, is one of the first popular physicians in this country, and probably should have been more popular, arguably, than the other Benjamin who signed the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Franklin. And there's really some interesting controversy with him back and forth where he maybe contradicted himself. But one of his big things and claims to fame is that he was the first person to publish a book on mental health. And he that stated in that how alcoholism was a disease and how that there was needing to be a process to help these people with this disease. They were being controlled more than just having it as a choice. So as I've listed off these people, I will attach the list down below. But I want to do a shift because I think there is one key demographic. If you've looked through and listened to this list, I brought up all males in the scientific community. And I would like to say and state that I think females, especially up to even now, are still being looked at and kind of talked down to and not being looked at as good of scientists. So I have a list here that I'll quickly go through of more female scientists who have made a significant impact in the science community, and I think they're worth bringing up. Some of these I didn't know anything about, and they're amazing people. Alice Ball, the first African-American and first woman to be able to get a master's degree from the University of Hawaii. She was also the first chemistry professor at the University of Hawaii. And she came up with a cure for leprosy that was the best that they came up with for 20 years. And this is in the early 20th century. And she accomplished all this before she died at age 24. Mary Claire King is a professor at the University of Washington in genetics, helped identify breast cancer genes, helped also show that we are 99% genetically identical between humans and chimpanzees, and has also used her genetics background to help identify victims of human right abuses. And the important thing I will also bring up with the breast cancer genes is that she was able to show that it was a hereditary thing 
and the different genes that it was so that we could start using and having preventative care. Katherine Johnson I brought up a couple weeks ago. She was part of the NASA project known as the Human Computer Help Send John Glenn and Alan Shepard into space and worked at NASA. Adriana Ocampo, she helped figure out the Chicxulub crater, which is the crater that they are accrediting where we lost 50% of our living creatures between plants and animals, the last major extinction that knocked out most of the dinosaurs, she helped discover where that is off the coast there on Mexico on the peninsula. Valentina Tereskova in 1963 became the first woman to go into space. She spent more time in space than all the men up to that point as she orbited the earth 48 times in three days. And due to an engineer error, she almost didn't return to earth and didn't talk about that for 30 years. Len Vestergaard Howe. She was a researcher at Harvard And through using a vacuum and clouds of sodium atoms, was able to confirm Einstein's theory of absolute zero and being able to stop light for a moment. Vera Rubin helped articulate evidence for dark matter. Rosalind Franklin, who I talked about a couple weeks ago, I still don't feel like has gotten enough credit, took the photographs that helped Watson and Crick, who stole the photographs, figure out the double helix for DNA, and then continued research that helped with one of her colleagues later getting a Nobel Prize in cancer research. Hedy Lamar was a Hollywood actress during the war. She worked with George Autel, who was a composer, to figure out a way to have more secure radio waves to help with communication. Though it wasn't fully implemented during the war, her invention is still being used today as the baseline for satellite signals, cell phone signals, Wi-Fi technology, and Bluetooth technology. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, it's probably because of Hedy Lamar. Nergis Malvala was part of a group that helped detect gravitational waves, which are ripples in space-time, which had been theorized by Albert Einstein. Cecilia Helna Payne Gospaskin. She discovered that stars were made up of hydrogen and helium and was the first person to publish papers talking about that. Her advisor thought that she was absolutely crazy to the point where he had to discover it himself with his work four years later. Jocelyn Bell Burnell discovered radio waves called pulsars coming from extremely dense neutron stars, which are at the core of a collapsed star, is what a neutron star is. She won a Nobel Prize in physics for that. Rosina Baichi is the first woman from Sylvania to get a PhD in electrical engineering and then went to Stanford to receive a second PhD in computer science. She has continued working in this field and is currently working with artificial intelligence in her mid-80s. Mary Jackson also was in Hidden Figures, the first African-American female engineer at NASA to put as the senior most title in the engineering department. Only a few more here. Flossie Wong Stahl. Her, along with colleagues, were the first to clone the HIV-1 virus and map its genes. 
This is being used to help fight AIDS research currently along with other diseases. Emmy Noter. Her Noter's theorem became the fundamental foundation for quantum physics. And Einstein is quoted as saying, quote, she is the most important woman in the history of mathematics. Irene Joliot Curie was the second woman ever to win a Nobel Prize, and she is second only to her mother. It is one of the biggest families then to be able to have Nobel Prizes. She was an assistant to her mother and continued on with her mother's research. But her big break came when her and her husband worked together to discover artificial radioactivity, which was used in materials to help make cheaper medicine. And as I mentioned, the final one is Marie Curie, who won two Nobel Prizes and is the first person ever to do that. She first one came from figuring out and discovering plutonium and radium, which were discovered as radioactive materials. She also then received her second one with her work on x-rays. She had to leave her original country of Poland to go to France and became the first woman to receive a PhD from a French university. Why did I bring up all these people? All these people went through different challenges, and some of them I mentioned and some of them I didn't. And if you look into them, many of them will discuss the different obstacles that they had to go through. And the reason I focused on females is I feel like there's still an uphill battle, especially in science, for females, unfortunately. And when I look and was studying and looking through these women, I couldn't just pick and choose a few of them. I feel that all of them have done significant work to continue to fight through to do what they thought was right. I think that exemplifies the passage that we have here out of Mark. Jesus, I could see him going to Tyree to try to get away from things, to try to step away that I want to break, I want to just blend in. And he's still presented with, can you help me? I've heard about you. And she's a Gentile. The people back home who were of Jewish descent would have sat nothing if he hadn't done anything for her. He was the outcast in the Gentile society. But he still did what he was called to do. These people pushed through and fought for what they believed they had actually figured out and may or may not have actually seen the fruits of their labor. And it's one of the things that I feel honored to be able to be in a position where I can even look up and figure out about these amazing people. And I think when we think about this, is are we doing all what God is calling us to do? Are we feeling comfortable with being called to go out of our comfort zone to do something different? So the Twitter question I will say for this week is, Are you okay with stepping out of your comfort zone? Keep it simple this week. Are you able and comfortable to step out of your comfort zone? This has actually been something that's been on my mind a lot in the last few weeks. I've officially announced it some other places, and I feel like I have to be honest with you guys to let you know where I'm coming from. And I'm excited 
I am extremely nervous, but I am also very excited. I have accepted a position as the Director of Youth and Family Ministries at First Lutheran Church in Bemidji, Minnesota. And I'm hoping to start that in the middle of September. I will continue, and I promise this to you, I will continue to provide you this podcast. Because I get as much out of this as I hope that you do. And I'm excited at the little bit of the community that I have seen. I would love to hear your feedback. I know there's new people this week who are getting this for the first time. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. And this is a little bit different week, but I felt like there was a lot of really cool people that are worth pointing out for what they did. And Jesus expects the same out of us. And just think about that as you go forth this week, as we're going into Rally Sunday, feel okay with stepping into the uncomfortable because I know as never being around a ton of youth ministers, I did not have a youth minister when I grew up, so I get to step into the unknown. Are you going to step into the unknown? So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.